welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. All right, church, why don't you stand with me for the reading of the word, as is our custom. To remind ourselves, customs are for reminders. It reminds us that God's word is significant, and we honor it in our lives. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Royston, for the amen. (laughs) Any other amens out there? Amen? (laughs) There we go. Come on, team. Come on. All right, we're in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we are in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 14. Everybody with me. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sena. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other south in front of Geba. Verse 6. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Jumping to 13 here. Then Jonathan climbed on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. Is this Mike's? There we go. Hey, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that it's alive and active. It's living right now. And we thank you that um, you want to plant your word inside of our heart, that your kingdom life would be living inside of us, that we would cultivate your truths in our hearts, that we would live in a way that your kingdom presence and your kingdom life would spring up all around us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you, Nikki on the keys. Nikki on the keys. Can we give Nikki a hand? Nikki on the keys. Nikki on the keys. Nikki's hair was all the way long a couple weeks ago, and I was like, are those extensions? Is this, is this your real hair? Why hath the Lord given you so much hair? It's some good hair, some very good hair. Welcome to King's Church, um, and welcome to our friends online around the country. Blessed to have all of you here today, and then our, our people around the country, I'm excited for what God's doing. We're going to Charleston this week to meet with our Charleston gang of King's Church people and um, pray for them. God's, God's doing stuff in Charleston. We're excited for God expanding all that he wants to do in our community. And it's actually, it's not like, like I don't like the idea of branding, like, oh, get it, great, more branding. I like the idea of people that are, are pursuing God's truth 
and pursuing the Spirit of God both together. Like that's the thing that really makes us unique is that we're, we both deeply care for God's truth that the people of God are supposed to be grounded in the Word of God. They're not supposed to be like, hey, this is a new idea I have. Or like, hey, here's this really cool psychology report I read and I'm gonna try to like manipulate this into my message, which I'm doing today. <laughs> um, but, but we're grounded in actually the Word of God and so we have truth. But then Jesus said that the true worshipers will worship in, in spirit and in truth. And so that we say also we believe in the active presence of God in our lives. We believe in prophecy and healing and all of the function of the Holy Spirit that 1 Corinthians 12 says that we as believers can walk in. And I'm excited for a church that both is grounded in truth but then walks practically in the power of the Holy Spirit that people get healed and people get delivered and people get set free. I was talking to somebody late last night texting and they are talking about this idea of whatever the sin is, whether it's alcoholism or homosexuality or, or, or transgenderism, this idea that even if I come to Christ, I'll always be this same kind of person. I'll always struggle with this same sin. That's not in the Bible. That's not scripture. Like when we come to Christ, he frees us. He breaks chains. He, 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 he heals us. We come out of the grave. We do not live in the grave. Right? Too many churches saying, no, it's okay to live in the grave. Just live in the grave, and then when you die again, you'll go to heaven and you'll finally be free. No lie evil. Don't you dare tell me that Jesus can't change people's hearts and minds. Don't you dare say that to me. Amen? Come on! Um, I wanted to thank some volunteers as well. And um, where's Greg? Greg Rushton, where are you? Greg Rushton. There he is in the back, the handsome Greg Rushton. I just want to tell you what Greg does. He does a lot of executive stuff for the church. He's here every week. He's working on stuff. You don't know that. He stands in the back, and he's a pillar of the house. So thank you, Greg, for being a pillar. Amen? Amen. He's not a legend because we don't believe in legends in this church, okay? And let me just make a point. Let me make, let me make a uh, syntactic point about this. Legends can be evil. There are, the, Billy the Kid is a legend, okay? Heroes are good. It doesn't matter. When, if you're a legend, you can be either evil or good. Heroes are always good. So we, we, we up, up lift up heroes, not legends. Amen? I don't care how famous you are. I don't care if you're a legend. I don't care about that. Church has too long cared about fame and for too little cared of heroes. Amen? Somebody Instagram that. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, who's not here today, is like, Instagram is a bunch of quotes from, from the Sunday. And I'm like, did I say that? I don't think it did. So let's jump into the scripture. How about that? It says here in verse 1 of chapter 14, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. I'm going to do a message today. It's kind of called How to Kill the Bad Guys, okay? And we have bad guys in our life. Like, we have things that are, that are pursuing us to destroy our destiny in Christ. We have a devil that wants you to die. If you're on mission, like, the C.S. Lewis uh, um, wrote the book, The Screwtape Letters. Has anyone read The Screwtape Letters? Good group of you. Great. Caveat. We have a library, a little tiny bookstore right around the 
the wall there, and we don't, we're not making money, we're just getting books and saying, this is how much we just paid for them, take them home, because we want to equip our people with God's word and his way, right? We have a couple of C.S. Lewis's in there, Mere Christianity, which is one of the greatest apologetics of all time, if you haven't read it. Screwtape Letters, basically, he, you know, the, the demons are talking about how to take out these Christians, and then he's like, you're, like the Christians that are doing nothing, we, we don't really care about them. We kind of just leave them alone. It's the Christians that are on mission to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Hell comes against them. Right? A lot of times we're like, why is it hard? Why is hell coming against me? Maybe, maybe because God has a destiny for your life, for people to come from darkness into his marvelous light, that the kingdom of heaven would be established everywhere you go. Maybe. And the truth is, actually, if you partner with, with God's plan, that, that does happen. And so this message is interesting because there, there's a movie out, a, a documentary called American Gospel, I think. And it's a good documentary about 50% really good and 50% not good. And because they say, in the, they kind of say in the movie, or you can take it that they're saying, every time you read a scripture, you can't make it about you. Well, guess what? A lot of the times the scripture is about you. You're the person living. You're the person following Christ. You're the first person called to establish his kingdom on the earth. Now, if it's all about your house and your cars and your greed, then that's evil and from hell. Amen. But the scripture is written to encourage us in our pursuit of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Amen. That's why we need to know it. So let's, let's look right at this. One day Jonathan and Saul said, Jonathan said to his uh, armor bearer, we're going to go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And the first point here is um, Christians too often exercise their Christianity only in the church. Jonathan leaves the camp to go do something for the, the people of God. He leaves. You know, we have, a church, we, have, we, have a, we have church models that are all about growing the church and having more small groups. Like, you want to you ride motorcycles? Okay, let's have a motorcycle small group. If you want to knit hats, we're going to have a hat knitting small group. And everything is another arm of the church, and very little is about equipping Christians to go out into the world. Which, if I remember correctly, I think that's what Jesus said. I'm pretty sure <laughs> he said, go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. He didn't say go into the church and hang out and try to get other people to come inside. He said, you go out and you make disciples and you disciple the nations. And, and, and as Christians, especially charismatic, where we think like in the grand scheme, like, oh, Lord, if you would make me a senator one day, I'll, I'll really help the world. Like, what about your school board that's rotting right now from the inside? What about the places that God has positioned us in our world to exercise influence? I, we got a, Bethany and I got an email from the 14th Street Y this week, and it said, hey, we're so excited, 14th Street Y, where my kids have played basketball in the past. Um, we, are, we have LGBT camp for homosexual children between the ages of 5 and 12, and they're cheering, they're cheering the sexualization of children that are 5 years old. Kids aren't sexualized at five years old yet. 
What are you doing, New York City? Where are the believers that are saying this is horrible? Well, because we've, we've taken Christianity all across our churches and we said, no, we're just going to only do it in here. We're going to do it in here and we're not going to extend it out there. And I'm not talking about going to the parade and saying, you know, all sinners are going to burn in hell. I'm talking about inserting the kingdom of heaven into our society so it doesn't rot and demolish on itself. Because God's going to call, because I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and he's going to say, what about your neighbor, David? Don't you remember me saying, love your neighbor as yourself? I'm going to be like, you know what, Lord? Uh, <laughs> I didn't like them. Is that, is, is that okay? And the Lord's going to say, no, it's not okay. I, it's one of my main things I say is love your neighbor. And one of the ways we do that is by actually, this is what it says, Jonathan leaves the camp and goes to the Philistine outpost on the other side. I want to have believers that are so strong in their faith that they're exercising the kingdom principles in the world around us so that we can have a city for our children, so that we can have a place that hasn't been destroyed and hasn't collapsed upon our, itself, that we can have a neighborhood that is not drug-ridden and crazy. I was just talking to my man, Eric Camacho. Where are you, Eric Camacho? There he is right there. He was telling me uh, that he was yelling at drug dealers right out here in the park a couple of days ago. And I was like, that's what a hero does. That's what a hero does, right? And, and that's, that's extending the kingdom of heaven outside of this place right here. When you stand for righteousness in the place God has called you to stand. Amen? It's not easy, though. So here's this other point. He, he goes out, he leaves, he, he, he goes on mission, but he does not tell his father. Why doesn't he tell his father? Well, we've seen in the scripture the last few weeks that Saul is a fear guy, right? He's driven by fear. He does the sacrifice when he's not supposed to. And you do not talk to people who are fear people about what God has put in your heart or they will discourage you from the purposes of God. You're supposed to hide it in your heart. You're supposed to think of it as a precious thing. The vision that God's given to us is precious. I remember when Bethany and I moved here seven years ago to the region, I was talking to a pastor that I'd known for a long time, and he was not happy that I was planting a church for a couple of theological reasons. And he said, David, if you dare plant a church in New York City, I will tell every pastor I know and every pastor in New York City to disassociate from you because of your heretical ways, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I guess I told the wrong person I was going to church. Whoops. This, Jesus said uh, um, in Matthew 7, 16, he said, don't cast your pearls before swine lest they trample on them and then turn and trample you. What God has done in your life, the testimony of Jesus Christ, like, it's not cheap. The, the transformation that God does for us, it's not cheap. It's incredibly valuable. And so while we're called to go out and we're called to stand for righteousness, we're not called to be fools. We're called to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I love uh, some friends, their, their church took over the um, kind of the, the city arena and it was the city arena was, it was more than going bankrupt. It was like losing, I can't remember the number. Do you know the story, John? No, it was losing a couple of hundred grand a year for the city. The church said, we'd love to take this over. 
to bless our city. They take it over and then they start making the city like millions of dollars a year in revenue. I just thought, what an incredible way to stand and say, we as the church bring blessing, we bring peace, we bring righteousness. That's what we do. That's what we stand for. Okay, so the other reason that you don't talk to people that are fearful is because fear is contagious. Do you know that? Fear is contagious and courageousness is contagious. So if you get around fear people and they start seeding fear like you can't do this, it's God is not with you, or, or are you sure? I remember when I moved to New York, we were with some friends of the family and they were like, how could you ever afford to live there? Like, how, how is, I'm like, I'm like, eight million people live there, <laughs> you know, like, what, what are you talking about? I grew up out of state New York, if, if you don't know that, and um, the rent is cheaper up there, believe it or not, <laughs> the rent is significantly lower in the, in the Catskill Mountains. The other thing about telling people is, is like, it's, it's funny because you actually get a psychological reward if you tell people before you do the work. And it lessens the likelihood that you'll actually go through it. As opposed to like, like you know, you have a friend and, you, and the Lord put them on your heart to pray for them and share the gospel with them. And like, instead of actually doing it, you just tell everybody you're going to do it it actually becomes less likely that you do it because you already received the reward of telling everybody about it and then you don't do it. And it's one of the reasons that we treasure and hold quietly the things and promises God's given us, which I am terrible at, <laughs> instead of just displaying it for the whole world. Okay, the next thing is this wild verse, verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine, out Philistine outpost was a cliff. And one was called Bozes, and the other was called Senna. One cliff stood on the north toward Michmash, and the other on the south toward Geba. Now, when you read the Old Testament, one of the things we do when we get to these strange parts that have strange kind of descriptors, we say, God, why did you put that in the Bible? If you're a secular person, you don't say that. You just say, here's this weird story and I don't care. But because we're not secular, because we're Christians and we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, we believe the whole thing has meaning, right? We believe that God is trying to communicate something to us. So here we go. The John MacArthur commentary says, the name of these cliffs, Bozes and Sina, were, are actual Hebrew terms that mean slippery and thorny. And so the path that Jonathan was taking was a path that was slippery and thorny. It was a dangerous path. And most people don't walk in the promises of God because it's a dangerous path. And they want it to be easy. They want to come in and they want to like throw their nickel in the basket and then be like, thanks God, I, I said hi, peace out, I'll see you next week. Instead of living a life where the kingdom of heaven has actually taken over your life and you're living in this mission and an adventure with God. That is the archetypical uh, paradigm that we receive from Abraham through Christ is that we get taken with God on an adventure for his kingdom. Not just salvation for eternity, but partnering with God for the here and now and saying, God, what would you have with my life? And so when, usually the path we don't expect to be thorny and slippery, and, and, and then a lot of Christians get taken out because they say, well, God, it's not working, so this, this deal must not 
work. Like the calculation that you give, give me or you gave me is a faulty calculation because it's hard. Because it's slippery and it's thorny. Can I tell you a story? I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> I, um, Bethany and I, it was seven years ago this summer, and we really internally felt this drawing to come to New York City to plant a church and to, um, for me to do my law practice and have business. And we just thought, what, if, if we could do anything in our life, what would be the coolest thing in the world to do? And I just thought it'd be, the coolest thing would be to serve God and his people and to have business and, and deal with business people and exercise that part of my kind of gift set together at the same time. And we were pumped about it, right? We love New York City. We always loved New York City. My, my family is all from New York City, my, all my extended family. Um, and so, you know, we had this pulsing desire. And so we're fasting and praying, and I'm saying, Lord, please kind of confirm to me that we're going to do this because it's a big deal. It's not like, it's not easy. It's, we don't know anybody there. And so one day I'm fasting and praying with my wife and we're sitting on a bench and I said to her, I said, babe, I'm going to ask God to confirm that we're supposed to go out here and um, I'm going to ask God to give us $5,000 tomorrow to confirm that he wants us to do it. And I don't usually ask God for $5,000 every day. It's not something I normally ask for. I should probably more, but I don't. It's just... <laughs> um, and so I, I said to her, I said, is that okay to pray that God would give us this literal specific amount of money tomorrow to confirm that we're supposed to do this? And she said, sure, it sounds good. And so I prayed, and I, this, was this was my prayer. I said, God, I need five grand tomorrow to confirm that I'm supposed to go out here. Amen. You know, God doesn't need your fancy prayers. Do you know that? And do you know God doesn't need your two-hour prayers either? Like, there are times that we travail in prayer. There are times that we spend time in prayer. But God doesn't need two hours of prayer. He needs a heart that's humble and contrite and sincerely speaking to him. That's what he, that's what he looks for. And so the next day, we were in the kitchen of her. We were staying at her family's house. I was waiting for my bar exam results to come in. And Bethany got a call, and it was a family member, and the family member said, hey, there's another family member that is so excited about David starting a law practice, and they want to give him 5,000 bucks to help start the law practice. So, but they were going to give it in a couple of months, and they just felt compelled that today was the day you need to know we're giving you this $5,000. And I was doing the dance. <laughs> That's the God loves me dance. There's lots of hips in that one. Bethany looked sad, and I was confused, and I said to Bethany, she's probably sad about my dance, no. Um, I said, what's wrong, babe? And she said, I really felt like we were supposed to ask for $10,000. And I, I did say to her, I was like, you're an evil person, you're bad. God hears my cry, not your cry. The next day, they called back and they said, we changed our mind, we're giving you $10,000, not $5,000. And then, this is, it gets crazier, and then every one of Bethany's, they said all of Bethany's siblings and cousins are all getting $10,000. So from this little prayer on this little bench, asking God, I know you have an adventure for my life. Will you please confirm you're in this? He like triple confirms it. And so then, I'm, I'm like, God is with me, and 
I'm the guy. I'm Billy Graham Jr. I'm, I'm Bill, Bill Graham. Wh Willie. Let's call me Willie. And I thought I was going to like, I thought I was going to be on, a, on a, 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 a slide just into God's goodness. And from the drive to the West Coast into starting my practice, I thought people were just going to be writing me million dollar checks, right? And then lining up to come to my church. And we got to New York City, and it was so insanely difficult, I, I can't tell you all about it. I, I, I can't even tell you the story, how bad it was. I'll tell you approximately, it was suicidal level bad. I was having thoughts in my mind saying, you're a failure, everything you've done is a failure, everything you'll ever do is a failure. The church thing was not God's idea. New York was not God's idea. Everything you've ever done, you failed at, and you're failing here again. And it was, it was third party. It was not my thoughts. It was thoughts coming into my mind. It would be much better for your family if you weren't around anymore. It would be, they would be in a much safer and healthier place if you didn't exist anymore. That's, that's how dark it was the first year when we were in New York City. And sometimes we think like, well, if God's real and, it's, and he's in it and he wants me to do it, it's going to be easy. What if, in fact, God's way is slippery and thorny? What if, in fact, God's way is for us to go through incredible challenges to form us into the character of Christ? This is what I don't like about the charismatics. They don't do suffering. They think they can miracle pray suffering away. Suffering is in the scripture, and it's for our good, it's for our formation. And so we went through a season where we were nobody broke. I was so broke that I was literally one day, uh, I, I, all of our credit cards were maxed out and we had zero dollars in the bank. I was working the trash lawyer job in Midtown, getting paid like $25 an hour. Like, I was like, I could make more money managing Taco Bell. I, I had so with zero money. I, was, I, rem, I had to hide in the bathroom in the train to get from New York to New Jersey, where we were living at the time, because I had no money. And I was almost crying, and I'm sitting there in the bathroom with the conductor coming by, and I'm saying, God, what are you doing in my life? I thought you called me here, and I thought it was supposed to be miraculous. And I thought people were going to show up, and... I, we had a guy that moved out with us to start the church. Within a year, he was like, I'm out of here. This is insanity. Now, thank God he was there, and he was a blessing, and uh, we loved him. But it took us much longer than we thought it was going to take for God's plan to develop. And that's part of God's... Like, the timing is in the hands of God. We get so frustrated when things don't happen in our, on our timetable. And we can lose... The, the bounty, the reward that he has for us. And when we were, you know, when we were in that kind of pain, we didn't realize that just a few years, if you can just hold on to the promises of God, if you just don't give up, you win. It's how he made, it's how he made the system. And I want to encourage you today, if you're, in, if you're on the path and it feels slippery and thorny, that's okay. It's, does, it's not just like a, a gumball slide into an ice cream pool. It just isn't, you know? Ice cream pool would be gross anyway. Super gross. 
And Jonathan and his armor bearer climb through this slippery and thorny path, and they're going uphill through the pain against odds that don't even matter or, 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 sh or certainly should dissuade them because they feel like God's called them up there. And that's what the story says. He's like, we're going to get up. If they, if they call us, come on up here. Then we know it's the Lord, <laughs> which is crazy. It's like 20 warriors up there. If they say, come and try to kill us, then we know it's God. What a stupid idea that was, you know? I'd be like, Lord, if there's a red bird that flies on the rock, then I'll sneak behind them and just shoot arrows at their backs. That's what you should have done. I want to read um, John 10. John 10 is about the good shepherd who stays with the sheep. It says this in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, and the sheep are not his own. And when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf pounces on the sheep and scatters the flock. You know, if you're in the game as a hired hand and you're not in the game as a real son of God, when adversity comes, you run away. And as a leader, if you're a leader, and God's called you as a leader to lead people, and adversity comes and you run away, you are always a hired hand and you are never a son. And the people of God get hurt and wounded because leaders don't hold their post. The wolf comes, man. The wolf comes. It's promised. It's a promise that the wolf comes. Here in, in the book of John, again in the book of Acts, Paul says, I want you to know this. When I leave, savage wolves will arise among you, not sparing the flock. He doesn't say like, there's no wolves. There's not going to be any wolves. It's going to be totally good. You're just going to pray a hedge of protection. Hedge of protection. Hedge of protection. <laughs> wolves come. It's part of the game. It's part of the formation in Christ. We have a lot of crazy ideas swimming in the body of Christ right now. And I'm grateful for them because they're forming. They're, I, I, feel, I know the scripture better. They're, 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 they're sharpening my sword when these things arise. Amen. Verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men and perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder them from saving, whether by few or by many. I just love, I love that God is the answer. He's the answer for our nation. And he's the answer for our city. He's the answer for our family. He's the answer for our relationships. God is the answer. And I, I remember I was in a reading craze a couple of years ago, and I was reading tons of books, 50, 50 to 60 a year. And I was telling my brother Robert, like, I'm reading all these books, and I'm getting all this wisdom. It's so awesome. And my brother Robert, would, he kept saying, you should read the Bible more. He kept saying, you should read the Bible like you're reading books. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm learning. I'm growing. And he's like, if you read the Bible like you read those books, you would be growing. I was like, shut up. You know? <laughs> the more I learn about God, the more simple it is. If we turn to him, he will bless us and heal us. If we think we could figure it out on our own, with our own systems, on our own designs, we're going to screw it up another magnitude. 
But if we're humble and we turn to him and we repent of our sins, he will bring healing. You know, Malachi chapter 4, it talks about communities where the father is not around anymore. You know what happens then? It says a curse comes to the land. You know, we have communities of people in our city where there are no dads and the neighborhoods are cursed and the educators are like, no, 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 systemic, systemic oppression, critical race theory, let's try that. No, let's try having fathers turn their hearts towards their children and then he will lift the curse. That's, it's so simple. And we want to like make it super complicated. I was re- talking to a guy yesterday. He's like, wages. If, if wages were equal across everything, then there would be no crime. I said, you, what? You're, are you a, I said to him, are you a Christian? Well, he is a Christian. I said that to annoy him. Are you a Christian? <laughs> I said, you're telling me that money is your savior? You're telling me that money is your salvation for your communities? I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure God is your savior. And in his salvation, he brings many things. Resources that are financial, resources that are relational, grace, all of the things he brings. It's like taking one of God's blessings and making that the, 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 the God, literally the God. And because our culture is secular, that's what it does. It says if everybody just had money, we'd all be okay. Guess what? The cultures with the most money become the most corrupt. Because when we get lots of money, we get prideful. And God opposes the but gives grace to the boom. Come on, what a church. Come on, church. What a church. They know the scripture. Yeah, yeah, I have a great church. (laughs) Go to church. go Go to some churches and you're like, there's one older person in the back. <laughs> Thank God for you, or lest the fires of heaven fall, dear Lord. Okay, last point here. Verse 7. Um, when killing the bad guys, we need somebody on our side. It says this, the armor bearer responds, and he says, Do all that you have in your mind. Go ahead. I am with you in your heart and soul. The armor bearer is like, yeah, you're, I see there's 20 guys and it's likely that we die here quickly. And no, he's, he's actually, because he's there with Jonathan, Jonathan can kill 20 guys in a few minutes and it says the area is about a half of an acre. And we need people that we're partnering with to see the kingdom of heaven come. When Jesus sent out his disciples to take over areas, he didn't send them out one at a time. Do you know that? He didn't say, "Lo, yo, yo, yo. You're the dude. You got the anointing. You got the word. Go, do it. He sent them out two by two. He sent them out with a partner, not to be alone. Isolation is from hell. Do you know the Bible says, He who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment. Seeks his own desire. Exactly. That's the next part. Um, God wants us to be partnered one with another. That's the purpose of the body of Christ. It's not to come and sit here and listen to a message and go home. That's not what it's about. It's about partnering one with another for the takeover of the kingdom of heaven in our day and our age. So partnering one with another. If you don't have a vision, connect yourself to somebody who does. Say, what's in your heart? 
I, I, what's in your heart? I'm going to serve it fully. Let's see God do something. Amen? Then finally, the, the, the armor bearer also represents the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to him. Uh, the, you know, Paul says to the, to the church of Corinth, he says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. It's so funny because I have my buddies that are Baptists and they're cessationists pragmatically they are, and, and they, they're like, I'm so into the word, and it's like my, everything is by the word. And I'm like, well, what about the one verse that says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And I, I just want to say to you this morning, if you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, so in our church, and I'll talk about this a little more this afternoon, we believe that when you're saved, you're sealed with the Spirit of God but you're not baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a distinct thing, and I go into the scriptures this afternoon. But if you're not, I am going to implore you to pray and say, God, give me a heart that earnestly desires the spiritual gifts. I don't understand them. Maybe they don't make sense to me. I want to earnestly desire them. Amen? And then finally, I think, I think the picture, when I, when I think of the slippery way, and worship team, you can come up, and the thorny way, I just can't help but think of Jesus. Jesus who walked the road of Calvary, the slippery way, crowned his head with a crown of thorns. And it was a dark road, and it was painful, and it was exactly the will of God for our redemption. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, church? I like the Abraham story because Abraham, God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to leave where you are right now and I want you to follow me into the unknown. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. I'm just going to say leave and I will reward you massively. God promises Abraham seven really pretty massive rewards. It's the journey of faith. Jesus, he does the same thing. He leaves his father's house house and he comes down to earth as a babe and he walks this incredibly miraculous journey that ends part A instead of part B part A ends in the darkness of the slippery slope and the cross for our redemption the scripture says for the joy set before him he endured the cross it, the endurance the pain the suffering is for the joy set before us. It's not for the sake of suffering. We don't go to monasteries and whip ourselves for the sake of pain. It's that we endure for the promise of Jesus in our life, for the fullness of the kingdom of heaven to come to the places that we go, to our families, to our workplaces, to our cities that say, God, as long as I'm here in this city, your kingdom will come and your will will be done. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, I, I thank you that you have an adventure for sons and daughters that are willing to repent, turn away from their way, turn toward your kingdom, and give you their entire lives. If you don't know Jesus today, and you'd like to say a prayer with me to say, God, I do repent today. 
and I do ask for you for, to forgive me of my sins, and I do turn away from my old life, and I do want to pledge my entire life to you. I'd love to pray for you. If that's you, raise your hand and give me a look. Anybody here? Okay, then I'm just gonna believe that we all love Jesus. And so for those of us, God, that are following you on that way, on that journey, God, I just declare for sons and daughters, God, your goodness, your peace, the reminder of your promise. God, those of us who are on the slippery and thorny slope or path even right now, God, I ask that you remind them of your promise. God, that you're, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians tells us, the gifts that you give are love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. God, and then even walking through the pain is to produce your kingdom righteousness, that our life would be laden with the fruit of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I, I ask for the, the, the encouragement of the Spirit this morning. God, that walking through the narrow path is the path to the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We really believe that God wants you to know him in a personal and tangible way. If there's any way we can assist your journey, please reach out to kcnyc.org.